0: So this evening, uh, we are concluding our Christmas series entitled Missing Peace. And if you're a guest with us this evening, throughout the month of December, we've been looking at this theme of peace, and we've been reflecting on the fact that in our culture and in our world right now, peace feels a little bit like a storybook idea. When you look around at everything that's going on in the world, the idea of peace seems kind of far-fetched because the landscape of our culture and the landscape of our world is one that is missing peace there is increased anger in our culture and in the world there is anxiety there are so many things that are present that are the antithesis of peace we see examples of this in so many different things we see wars We see racial tension. We see ideological tension, different worldviews coming against each other. We're experiencing an economic reality that we haven't experienced in decades. Everything is so expensive and it's causing anxiety for people. There is political divides. And those are all the things that are kind of out there that affect us, but there can also be things closer to home. You know, at Christmas, it's supposed to be a time of family coming together, but sometimes because of family divisions, everyone isn't together at Christmas. And sometimes in our own minds, in our own hearts, we can be struggling with things that steal our peace. And so throughout the series on peace we've been talking about how it is available in spite of all of the things going on around us all of the things that we are experiencing there is peace that is available in our world there is peace that is available for our minds and for our hearts and there is peace that is available toward one another and different people groups and nations and last week we nailed down the ultimate cause of this missing peace. We said the ultimate cause of divisions is alienation and separation from God. The principle that I want to communicate to you this evening is that peace with God is foundational to all other forms of peace. If we try to make peace with our minds and our hearts in the midst of all of the accusations, all of the the guilt and the anxiety and the shame that at times comes against us that we sometimes accuse ourselves of or feel accused of by others. If we try to make peace without first having peace with God, we may achieve some brief reprieve in our minds and in our hearts, but it is not going to last. If we try to make peace in our families, if we try to hold them together, if we try to repair divisions, but we don't have peace with God, we may be able to achieve a superficial harmony, but it's going to be easily severed. All true and lasting peace, whether inward or outward, begins with our experience of peace with God. And so the question for each of us to answer is, Do I have peace with God? Is his favor upon me? Am I at rest with the one who created me, who knitted me together in my mother's womb so that I may experience the peace that my soul desperately needs? Because I think all of us would agree we need peace. Maybe you're here and you'd say, I don't have peace with God. I don't even know God. How do I receive his favor upon me? How do I find lasting peace? And I want to share that with you tonight. Or maybe you're here and you know God. But you feel like you aren't at peace with him. You wonder if his favor is truly upon you. If he looks upon you kindly. And I hope that tonight you will recognize that you have the utmost peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. So whether you know God or you don't know him yet, the Christmas story is an invitation to all people to come and to receive peace with God or to rediscover peace that you already have with God through relationship with Jesus Christ. See, the Christmas story is the story of a rescue mission in which God sent his son, He would put on flesh and he would become a man in order to make peace with men. And tonight is the celebration of the opening act of God's redemptive plan for humanity through his son. As he came down, being born of the Virgin Mary in a manger in Bethlehem, beginning his 30-year journey of walking the earth amongst his people, literally bringing the kingdom of God to earth. The birth of Jesus is a part of the story of redemption that God has worked together for his creation. A story that is all about what he has done for us and how we can receive him and that peace that we are so desperately in need of. To understand why peace is missing for all of humanity, we have to go back to the beginning. The Apostle John, he begins his gospel with a description of the beginning of time that sets up Jesus in his place in history as God. In John 1.1, 1, 1, he writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was John's way of describing Jesus. It says He was with God and he was God for all of eternity. And John's words in the beginning point us back to the start of creation as recorded in Genesis chapter 1. And it shows that Jesus, it shows Jesus's role in it. See, God's word tells us that in the beginning there was nothingness, there was void and into that void God spoke and it was through his word that he created all that we experience around us and there was not anything that was created and fashioned together by God which was not made through Jesus Christ the word of God and through him the galaxies were created and stars and planets were formed and days and nights were put into order and oceans were restrained and mountains rose up Creatures of the earth and the air and the sea were formed and they were given life and God called all of it good. And then God created man and woman, made different than the rest of God's creatures. They were set apart, they were crafted in the very image of God. The man was formed first and then the woman who was taken from the man's side and they were both knitted together, beautifully similar, yet beautifully unique. And God made a choice when he created man and woman. He made a choice that was not influenced by any need that he had, but motivated solely by love. He chose to walk with those who were made in his image. He would be in close relationship with humanity. He would be our God and we would be his people. But just like God made a choice to love us, we were also gifted the freedom of choice. God gave us free will so that we may choose to love Him, to walk with Him, to trust in Him as our God and our Father. But humanity chose a different path. We decided we would go our own way rather than follow God's ways. We believed the lie that Satan whispered to Eve in the garden that God would hold back from us. Good things. So we sought and desired autonomy from him, and in doing so, we broke relationship with God. This began with Adam and Eve's decision in the garden to go against God's command not to eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil, and from that time forward, we were separated from God. Each of us born into a severed relationship with the one who created us. And in our brokenness, we believed the same lie as Adam and Eve. We didn't need or want God. See Romans 3.11, Paul says, no one understands. No one seeks for God. Why is that the case? Because sin entered the world when adam and eve rebelled and the condition of sin has been passed to each of us as descendants of adam and eve each of us are born inheriting the condition of sin and it has horrible effects paul writes in verse or in chapter 4 verse 18 of ephesians he says they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness See, Paul's talking about the condition of sin there. He's saying sin alienates us from the life of God because it hardens our hearts to the things of God and it darkens our understanding so that we don't understand our grave need of God. And instead, we live our lives for ourselves doing what's right in our own eyes rather than what God has declared to be right. And the condition is evident in humanity. I think we can all see it. But many don't recognize it as a problem. In fact, it's more often celebrated because of the darkening of our minds. You see, one of the overarching messages of our world today, evident in the attitude of culture seen in advertising, reinforced in entertainment, is the idea that we are here to live for us. And I don't, I don't mean us collectively. I mean us individually. Our culture screams for the same autonomy that Adam and Eve desired. People want to do what they want, when they want, with whoever they want. We have come to a place where people believe You have absolutely no right to put restraints on me. And that's an attitude that can be traced all the way back through history. When humanity first turned from God and said, no, I want to live my own way. This is the condition we are born into. This is the condition that we walk in unless a miracle happens. So to the men and women here this evening who would say, I don't don't have peace with God. I don't know God. This is the condition in which you are living. Separated from God and living for yourself. And, And you may not think that's a bad thing because everything around you reinforces that it's good. But here's what God's word says to every single one of us. It says, we're all lost. Says we are all sinful. Says we are all broken. Says there is no one good. Every person has sinned. Every person has fallen short of God's standards. We have turned from Him and we are enemies of God. We are hostile to Him in our separation from Him. And the Bible goes as far as to say we are dead not physically, but spiritually. And that can be a hard truth to grasp. Because you may think, well, well, I'm just living my life as best as I can. And that may be true of you. But the the measurement of your life is not based on what you do. The measurement of your life is based on what you believe. It is based on what you put your trust in. It is based on who you are living for. You see, when people think of sin, they often associate it with a bad action. They think about killing. They think about stealing. They think about racism. And those things are sinful. They are wrong. But here's what we need to understand. We can be living a quiet, respectable life in Carlton Place, In Beckwith, in Smiths Falls, in Perth, we can be loving our families. We can be working hard. We can be what's considered an upright citizen and be in profound defiance to God. Because we have not trusted in Him. Our allegiance is to something other than him. See, the fall of Adam and Eve was not their action ultimately. It was their lack of trust. Lack of faith in God. Which led to their decision to go against God's command and eat of the fruit. And if you're not trusting in God, you are in rebellion to him. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So to the man or woman here tonight who does not know God, it is through faith that we please Him and receive the peace that our souls so desire. See, we... We can't be separated from the giver of peace and have peace. You may be wondering, okay, faith in what? What do I have to have faith in? And this is where the invitation of Christmas comes in. Because our Heavenly Father who created us is gracious and He is merciful. And though we walked away from Him and severed relationship with Him, He stepped into our brokenness with His plan of redemption a plan that included the miraculous act that would put his one and only son on a rescue mission for humanity. Jesus Christ put on flesh and was born a baby in a manger in order to live a life in perfect submission and relationship with God, which is the life that we were meant to live. He lived it in our place, and then he died an innocent man on a cross to pay the price for our rebellion against God. He took upon himself our punishment for walking away from the Lord, and he rose again from that grave, sealing the power of the work that he did on the cross. He bought us with a price, and that price was his own life. And through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, he made a way to bridge the chasm between God and between man. And that chasm can be bridged for you, and you can experience peace with God when you put your faith in what Jesus has done for you. See Paul says something incredible in Romans 5:1. He says therefore since we've been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To be justified by faith means to be considered just in God's eyes. It's to be considered innocent. It's to have our guilt, it's to have our shame. To have our rebellion removed. And that happens by faith. Faith is believing that there is a God who created us. And we are sinners and we rebelled against him making us in grave need of grace. And God's grace came down at Christmas in the form of Jesus Christ his only son. And when we believe in what Jesus has done and put our trust in him as Lord, turning from living our own way to living our lives for God, God promises that he will make us new. That we receive the Holy Spirit and through His power, peace is received. And it's a lasting peace that remains regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation. It is a peace that helps us through the storms of life. It is not that everything becomes perfect. It is that through everything, God is walking with us. And all we must do is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and we will be saved. I want to address all of us in here who are followers of Jesus, who are celebrating his birth because we know what it means for us. I want to remind you tonight the same thing, that you are justified by faith and you have peace with God. peace you have with God, it's twofold. It's an objective peace, meaning whether you feel it or not, it is true and it is unwavering. And I want to remind you tonight, all of God's anger against you is gone. He has declared you righteous. He has declared you pure. He has declared you acceptable through your faith in Jesus. And you cannot add to your righteousness before God. You can't do anything to add to your standing. You can't do anything to take away from it. All God feels towards you is for your good. And all that he does for you is toward that end. Even his discipline in your life. And so tonight, if you know Jesus, rest in the peace that you have with God. Let me just read some of the beautiful words that Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Some of you just need a reminder of that, that God has removed condemnation. You're condemning yourself for something that God is not. And it just needs to be removed off of you. you. need to be reminded. There is now, not later, now. No condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 31 to 33. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on. Like, that is one of the most exciting verses in all of scripture. If the God of the universe is for me, who can be against me? Nothing, nothing's going to prof- prosper against that. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Paul is saying you are secure in him. He's done it. Romans eight thirty five to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on. (laughs) Yes. Those are good words, Paul. We have objective peace with God. We can rest in it. We can stand in it through Jesus. But also we have subjective peace that is ours as well. We get to feel it. We get to experience it. You know, objective or subjective peace flows when you know that your past sins are forgiven, that there is now no condemnation in Jesus Christ. There is peace when you know your present sins are overruled by God. And there is peace when you know that your future sins cannot separate you from God because nobody here is going to walk perfectly before the Lord. See, there's so much pressure in this world. But tonight, I want to encourage every single one of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, stop putting pressure on yourself that God has not put on you. Rest in your Savior that we celebrate tonight. Because of Him, we have peace with God the Father. You don't need to perform. You just have it as a child of God. See, I think about my own children and how much I love them. And they can just come to me freely anytime they want. They have peace with me. There's nothing in the way of them coming to me And it's the same with your Father in Heaven. We have peace with God. We can relax in our relationship with Him. We can fellowship with Him consistently because of the peace that He has given us eternally through the Lord Jesus Christ who we celebrate tonight. You know, one of the most famous hymns, everybody knows the first verse, but maybe not the second verse, and I just want to end with the second verse, it says, praise God the Father who's the source, praise God the Son who is the course, praise God the Spirit who's the flow, praise God our portion here below. My prayer for you tonight and during this Christmas season is that God would be your portion. And if you are here and you don't know the Lord, He can be your portion. You just need to recognize that you are in need of Him. And come before Him and admit, Lord, I have lived my life apart from You. In rebellion to You, but You sent Your Son to save me. And I come humbly before you, Lord. And I just accept the work of the cross that Jesus did on my behalf that he came this very night to accomplish. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this night. Lord, I look at all of these men and women and children in this place tonight. And every single one of them is precious to you. Father, you desire to give them your peace. And so, Father, I pray for those in here that maybe don't know you tonight. That you would break down whatever walls there may be to them at least exploring the reality of who you are. Father, I pray that they would see You and know You and understand what Jesus Christ has done for them. Father, I pray for those in here that do know You who are struggling to find peace. Father, would You help them rest in this Christmas season? Would they leave this place tonight with a supernatural peace that comes from You that can't be explained by anything else? Father, I pray that we would tangibly go from this place and we would feel your presence with us as we celebrate Christmas and the coming of your son. We thank you, Lord, that you go with us, that you are always with us, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, you have promised it. In the midst of all of the stresses, all of the anxiety, help us to rest in you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for this glorious night that we get to celebrate him. I pray a special blessing over each heart and each mind in here tonight. Lord. Bless them and keep them, Father. In Jesus' name.